second journey part five of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain second journey part five in the morning the men appeared rather late but we recommenced the work at the temple with much enthusiasm and good hopes i perceived the necessity of drawing the sand from the sides of the door so that it might run off from the centre toward which on the contrary if the sand were taken from the centre that from the sides would continually run the enterprising count de forben who never was within five hundred miles at least of the place judged that the sand might have been easily thrown into the river i wish he had been there once in his life and then he might have seen whether it were such a trifle as he represents it it was a mass of sand accumulated by the winds for many centuries and to have had it removed and thrown into the river would have been an undertaking that all the people the adjacent country afforded could not have effected in twelve months i was contented to make it my principal object to reach the door as the most speedy means of entering the temple this day i divided the men into two parties and stationed one on each side of the colossal figure that stood over the entrance they worked pretty well but were so few that the little sand they removed could scarcely be perceived seeing that it would be a very tedious business that way in the evening i made a proposal to the kachef to pay three hundred piastres for opening the temple which was agreed to by the kachef and the working men they continued their labor for three days with much ardor for they supposed they could finish it in that time as their number was increased to eighty by order of the kachef but on the evening of the third day there was as little prospect of seeing the door as on the first they got tired at last and under the pretext that the ramadan was to commence on the next day they left us with our temple the sand and the treasure and contented themselves with keeping the three hundred piastres which were partly paid to them previously to their beginning and partly on the third day during this time the kachefs dined with us our mess was in company with them and all their followers our banquet consisted of a small piece of mutton the water in which it was stewed some bread and a little butter or fat no sooner was the dinner set on the ground than a scramble took place every one crowded round the earthen bowl the kachefs was the first to dip in his hand and immediately the rest followed his example we four the two captains irby and mangles mr beechey and myself contrived to keep as close together as possible that we might all eat out of the same side of the dish and by this means have some chance of a cleaner meal the kachef seeing that we stood no chance against his people who at last plunged their hands into the dish from all quarters politely picked out the most fleshy parts from the bowl which he distinguished from the bones by a squeeze with his hand placed them on the sleeve of his gown and then continued to eat till the bowl was nearly emptied when all had done eating he presented each of us with a piece of the fleshy parts he had reserved as a compliment which we gladly devoured as there was no other chance of our having a morsel to eat till the next morning this day being the first of ramadan the fellows could not work but they could feast according to their holy law for though they know very little of religion they keep their own festivals as correctly and as regularly as an european 
the next day again nobody came near us and the two cachefs daoud and khalil went away from that time we took the resolution to work at the sand ourselves we were only six but the crew offered their services and thus our party amounted to fourteen in all finding that one of us did as much work as in the proportion of one to five of the barabra we were well satisfied and resolved to continue we rose every morning at the dawn of day and left off two hours and a half after sunrise our perseverance and independence drew some of the peasants to offer their services which we accepted but as many of them were from the opposite side of the nile they could not agree with those of isambul and there was a perpetual warfare between them besides from jealousy they increased to such a number that we could not employ them all which gave rise to fresh disputes so that we resolved to dismiss them all and continue the work by ourselves they still persisted in offering their services to what number we pleased but we saw it would not prevent their having quarrels and fighting every day and we therefore refused their offer one day we observed a boat on the opposite side of the nile steering toward us and as it approached we perceived that it was filled with well-armed men after the cachefs of isambul left us there was a man of that village who in spite of their orders still remained with us and occasionally helped us in the work his name was musmar which in english signifies nail mr nail was a great man told us wonderful stories of his astonishing courage gave us to understand that when the bedouins from the desert attacked the village of isambul he was the first to resist them and vaunted that he was not afraid of any man in the world we were of course charmed at having such a gallant knight with us on the approach of the boat he seemed agitated and was very anxious to know who the people were while they were at a distance he said no one dared come where he was when they were nearer and he might see distinctly who they were he could not conceive what they wanted on this side of the water as soon as they had nearly reached the shore still pretending he was unable to guess who they could be he would ascend the mountain to observe them better with this he took to his heels and ran off as fast as he could scamper the men landed and ascended the hill of sand where we were we seized our arms for this is the only way to be respected by these gentry they approached the first was an elderly man who had strong traits of resolution in his countenance he held out his hand which i immediately shook according to the custom of the country they were the cachefs of ibrim father and son they seated themselves on the sand and the others stood they appeared in greater style than our sovereigns of isambul and had more swords and firearms we were pleased to find them friends particularly as we knew they were at war with hassan kachif and his sons daoud and khalil i perceived their disappointment for our attire did not bespeak riches besides seeing us at work like labourers they concluded we were but poor people they told us they were afraid of mahomed ali bashaw of egypt and presented us with two small and meagre sheep i was not pleased at this for i knew how the politeness of such gifts always ends we returned this civility by paying the servant who brought the sheep twice as much as they were worth and told the kachifs that we were sorry we had nothing to give them as we had exhausted everything but that we should recollect them on our return to the country 
they said they did not come thither to have anything from us and hoped on our return to cairo we would speak to the bashaw in their favour we answered we could not say anything against them as they never did us any harm or ever saw us before soon after they rose and we gave them the usual salute but they said they were going to see the small temple below our interpreter followed them as the boat was near that place and when they reached the temple they took him aside and told him that they were the masters of the country if the other kachefs killed one man they killed two they could stop or let us proceed on our works as well as the other kachefs for they were more powerful adding they knew we gave guns powder shot soap and tobacco to the others therefore they expected we should do more for them as they were superior and we might expect the consequences of refusing to comply with their demands at such proceedings i thought we were in as bad a situation as ever respecting our works at the temple for we had nothing left to give these people accordingly we sent them an answer that we had nothing for them at present but that they might depend on our words that we would bring them something on our future visit to nubia they replied we had no business to come into the country without written orders directed to them as they were the true masters of it we informed them we had a firman from the bashaw and sent our interpreter with it to show it them they opened it and looking at it said they could not understand one word in it besides it was not for them and therefore was good for nothing and even if we had one it would be to no purpose unless it was accompanied with presents of more value than we had given to the other kachefs while all this was passing the great potentates and their honourable followers walked towards their boat and hinted that we must think on the business while they were going to the village of isambul we left off work at our usual time and resumed our labour in the afternoon expecting that we should have some interruption in our proceedings but on the next day to our astonishment we heard that the great men were off at night we continued our operations regularly and in the course of a few days more we perceived a rough projection from the wall which indicated apparently that the work was unfinished and no door to be found there at this the hopes of some of our party began to fail nevertheless we persevered in our exertions and three days after we discovered a broken cornice the next day the torus and of course the frieze under which made us almost sure of finding the door the next day accordingly i erected a palisade to keep the sand up and to my utmost satisfaction saw the upper part of the door as the evening approached we dug away enough sand to be able to enter that night but supposing there might be some foul air in the cavity we deferred this till the next morning early in the morning of the first of august we went to the temple in high spirits at the idea of entering a newly discovered place we endeavoured as much as we could to enlarge the entrance but our crew did not accompany us as usual on the contrary it appeared that they intended to hinder us as much as lay in their power for when they saw that we really had found the door they wished to deter us from availing ourselves of it the attempt however failed they then pretended that they could not stop any longer with the boat in that place and if we did not go on board immediately they would set off with her and leave us 
on our refusal they knelt on the ground and threw sand over their faces saying that they would not stop an instant the fact was they had promised to the cacheffs to play some trick to interrupt our proceedings in case we should come to the door but even all this would not do we soon made the passage wider and entered the finest and most extensive excavation in nubia one that can stand a competition with any in egypt except the tomb newly discovered in biban al-maluk from what we could perceive at the first view it was evidently a very large place but our astonishment increased when we found it to be one of the most magnificent of temples enriched with beautiful intaglios paintings colossal figures and so forth we entered at first into a large pronaos fifty-seven feet long and fifty-two wide supported by two rows of square pillars in a line from the front door to the door of the secos see plate forty three each pillar has a figure not unlike those at medinet abu finely executed and very little injured by time the tops of their turbans reach the ceiling which is about thirty feet high the pillars are five feet and a half square both these and the walls are covered with beautiful hieroglyphics the style of which is somewhat superior or at least bolder than that of any others in egypt not only in the workmanship but also in the subjects they exhibit battles storming of castles triumphs over the ethiopians sacrifices and so forth in some places is to be seen the same hero as at medinet abu but in a different posture some of the columns are much injured by the close and heated atmosphere the temperature of which was so hot that the thermometer must have risen to above a hundred and thirty degrees the second hall is about twenty-two feet high thirty-seven wide and twenty-five and a half long it contains four pillars about four feet square and the walls of this also are covered with fine hieroglyphics in pretty good preservation beyond this is a shorter chamber thirty-seven feet wide in which is the entrance into the sanctuary at each end of this chamber is a door leading into smaller chambers in the same direction with the sanctuary each eight feet by seven the sanctuary is twenty-three feet and a half long and twelve feet wide it contains a pedestal in the centre and at the end four colossal sitting figures the heads of which are in good preservation not having been injured by violence on the right side of this great hall entering into the temple are two doors at a short distance from each other each lead into two long separate rooms the first thirty-eight feet ten inches in length and eleven feet five inches wide the other forty-eight feet seven inches by thirteen feet three at the end of the first are several unfinished hieroglyphics of which some though merely sketched give fine ideas of their manner of drawing at the lateral corners of the entrance into the second chamber from the great hall is a door each of which leads into a small chamber twenty-two feet six inches long and ten feet wide each of these rooms has two doors leading into two other chambers forty-three feet in length and ten feet eleven inches wide there are two benches in them apparently to sit on the most remarkable subjects in this temple are first a group of captive ethiopians in the western corner of the great hall second the hero killing a man with his spear another lying slain under his feet on the same western wall 
third the storming of a castle in the western corner from the front door the outside of this temple is magnificent it is a hundred and seventeen feet wide and eighty-six feet high the height from the top of the cornice to the top of the door being sixty-six feet six inches and the height of the door twenty feet there are four enormous sitting colossi the largest in egypt or nubia except the great sphinx at the pyramids to which they approach in the proportion of near two-thirds from the shoulder to the elbow they measure fifteen feet six inches the ears three feet six inches the face seven feet the beard five feet six inches across the shoulders twenty-five feet four inches their height is about fifty-one feet not including the caps which are about fourteen feet there are only two of these colossi in sight one is still buried under the sand and the other which is near the door is half fallen down and buried also on the top of the door is a colossal figure of osiris twenty feet high with two colossal hieroglyphic figures one on each side looking towards it on the top of the temple is a cornice with hieroglyphics a torus and a frieze under it the cornice is six feet wide the frieze is four feet above the cornice is a row of sitting monkeys eight feet high and six across the shoulders they are twenty-one in number this temple was nearly two-thirds buried under the sand of which we removed thirty-one feet before we came to the upper part of the door it must have had a very fine landing-place which is now totally buried under the sand it is the last and largest temple excavated in the solid rock in nubia or egypt except the new tomb it took twenty-two days to open it besides six days last year we sometimes had eighty men at work and sometimes only our own personal exertions the party consisting of mr beechey captains irby and mangles myself two servants and the crew eleven in all and three boys it is situated under a rock about a hundred feet above the nile facing the southeast by east and about one day and a half's journey from the second cataract in nubia or wadi halfa the heat was so great in the interior of the temple that it scarcely permitted us to take any drawings as the perspiration from our hands soon rendered the paper quite wet accordingly we left this operation to succeeding travellers who may set about it with more convenience than we could as the place will become cooler our stock of provision was so reduced that the only food we had for the next six days was dura boiled in water without salt of which we had none left the cacheffs had given orders to the people not to sell us any kind of food whatever hoping that we might be driven away by hunger but there was an abbotee who lived in the village and as he was of a different tribe he was not so much afraid of disobeying the cacheffs he sometimes came at night and brought us milk but he was at last detected and prevented from bringing any more great credit is due to mr beechey and the two captains for their laborious exertions in assisting me in the above operation i must not omit to mention that in the temple we found two lions with hawks heads the body as large as life a small sitting figure and some copper work belonging to the doors we left isambul on the fourth of august and did not stop at ibrim as we had seen it before 
on passing tomas a village on the western banks of the nile we were told that daoud kachef was there we found he was ready to receive us and came himself on board entreating us to go on shore which we did though not without hesitation as he had not behaved well to us he wished us to stop all night and attempted to be very civil we stated to him that we had not been well treated by the people of isambul to which he replied hastily that he knew nothing of the matter but how could he be ignorant of it when one of his men who came to see us at work and inquired whether we attest one was at that moment standing by his side as well as others whom we recognized to have been of the party and who came there to raise a disturbance perceiving we knew what he had done to us he attempted to make us amends presenting us with a sheep and a basket of bread and on quitting the place i received a present from his wife for mrs belzoni of a millet goat two small baskets and a carpet made of palm leaves i gave in return two pair of turkish women's boots and two small looking-glasses on our arrival at deir we met khalil kachaf who crossed the nile in a boat and hailed us saying he would return to us very soon by this time it was quite dark and we went to see the temple immediately with candles as we hoped to set off early in the morning and avoid meeting such a sincere friend on our return we attempted to procure some provision but it was too late at night about ten o'clock khalil returned but we were asleep early in the morning we were told that he had sent us some aquavita and a lamb we were sorry for this as it retarded us some time after he came on board accompanied by his party we returned him thanks for what we had received but told him that we could not give him anything in return as we were destitute ourselves and that at isambul we had lived on boiled dura for several days as the peasants had refused to sell us anything to eat we knew very well that all this was done by his order but he pretended like his brother not to know anything of it we did not think proper to say much as we wished to be gone and leave these affectionate friends on peaceful terms at last after examining our boat and the strange figure we had found in the temple he with great sorrow quitted us and we set off immediately it is to be remarked that all his civility was out of opposition to his brother daoud in hopes that we should bring him something on our coming up again for it was plain to be seen that it was all forced politeness the temple at deir is in a very ruinous state i saw but one or two figures entire the fragments of the rest indicate that it was dedicated to osiris there was a portico with sixteen pillars twelve of which are fallen down it was a chamber and a sanctuary with two small chambers one on each side in about two hours we arrived at almeida the ruins of a small temple on the north of the nile the river there takes its course from northwest to southeast it is a small temple and has served for a greek chapel the hieroglyphics are pretty well finished but nearly covered with plaster by the greeks there are other apartments of unburnt bricks which served as a monastery to the works towards evening we arrived at sabua the ruins of the temple here i have described before 
four days more brought us down to el kalabsha we landed to visit the temple but the fellahs seeing our boat at some distance gathered together at the entrance to the temple determined we should not go in unless we first paid them for leave we were accordingly stopped and money was demanded we refused to comply but promised that if they would let us in we would give them a bakshis afterward as this did not satisfy them and they behaved in a very insolent manner we were returning to our boat when our soldier said that he would remember them on this their daggers were instantly drawn and his gun was seized a scuffle took place which gave us something to do to rescue the gun from the one who had taken it from the soldier and was endeavouring to decamp with it on our approaching the boat some of them perceiving our indifference whether we saw the temple or not came to offer to let us enter while others were of a different opinion but as we had seen the temple before we did not think it worth our while to venture to force our way into it while all this was going on at the temple others attacked the boat but as our people were armed with pistols and guns they retreated one man entered the boat with a drawn sword but was turned out having left el kalabsha we passed by taffa but could not land there as the narrow passage of the nile did not permit us to approach the shore there are two small temples at taffa which i had seen before one consists of a single chamber and two columns one of which is not finished the other has some few hieroglyphics in a good style it serves as a stable for sheep and cows we arrived the same evening at hindau where we saw an extensive wall apparently made to enclose a vast building or probably more than one there are the remains of a portal on the north side and a great quantity of ruins within coming down we saw several quarries and ruins in one of which is a door cut in the rock in the egyptian style and a number of greek inscriptions written i suppose by some greek workman and which i think serve to prove that the greeks procured stones from this place we observed the remains of a temple of which six columns are standing beautifully adorned with the lotus and other emblematic devices of the egyptians farther down there is another column standing alone in a few hours we arrived at Dabu. This temple has a portico and a sikos which leads into the cella, at each side of which is a small chamber. In the portico also are two chambers and a staircase leading to the top. There are a few hieroglyphics, and in the sikos are two monolite temples of granite. In the porch of the building are three portals, one before another. The whole building is surrounded by a wall on the water side is a quay with an entrance toward the temple we arrived on the same day at the island of philo mrs belzoni went to aswan by land and we resolved to pass the cataract in a boat in which we came the barbarians made objections and took some advantage but they will do anything for money accordingly we set off from the island and began to take our course gradually among the rapids and rocks of the shellal as we advanced we expected every moment to arrive at the spot where the great fall is but having passed over several rapids one in particular a little stronger but not more extraordinary than are seen in other rivers we were agreeably surprised to find that in less than an hour we were out of all danger 
i have seen the great cataract at the west side when the water is low and its fall was then in length about six hundred yards forming an angle of thirty or thirty-five degrees divided by the interspersed rocks into several branches on our arrival at aswan we prepared immediately for our departure but meanwhile we visited the island of elephantine once more and in the evening went to see the column with the latin inscription which i discovered in the mountain of aswan we had some difficulty to find it again as the guide conducted us by another road different from that which i took the first time next day we left that place and as the current of the nile it being now near its height was very strong we reached thebes in three days on our passage we visited edfu once more and farther down we landed at Alethius and took a cursory view of its ruins and grottoes there is a high thick wall of unburnt bricks which surrounds the whole town it is a square enclosure of six hundred and seventy yards we saw the ruins of three or four temples one appears to have been very extensive but only six columns of the portico remain see plate forty one and part of the seacoast of another this town was formerly much more extensive than it is at present as appears by its ruins i observed part of the walls of ancient buildings at some distance from the great wall which surrounds the town among the ruins of the largest temple i noticed part of a large sphinx of white marble with the head of a woman and the body of a lion there were also fragments of several statues and other ornaments of the temple part of which are covered by its own ruins on the east of this temple was a small lake or rather tank which perhaps was a public bath as we may likewise presume of those near the temple in karnak but at present there is no water in it on the west of the town is another building of a later date which extends from the great wall to the river there are many ruins of houses with arches but the walls are inferior in point of size the remains of a pier or landing-place are visible when the water is low and it appeared to me that there had been a causeway from the stair at the water-side to the temple the country round the town is pretty flat and extends above a mile from the nile to the mountains it must have been all cultivated and fertile as the few spots that are now in cultivation are very productive some excellent grapes are produced in this place and it is to be remarked that from the representations in the grottoes or sepulchres in the mountains the dressing of vines appears to have formed one of the chief occupations of the people the sepulchres in these rocks are numerous and several are much on the same plan as those of gournou some contain various agricultural representations from which may be formed a more exact idea of their manner of living than i have seen anywhere else the figures and colours are in pretty good preservation i cannot say however that they can boast of any great perfection in their sculpture and it is evident that the dead deposited in those places must have been husbandmen i am of opinion that this town had a communication with the red sea my reason for which i shall state hereafter one mile to the north of the town is a small peripteral temple situated in the midst of an extensive plain now covered with sand but which evidently was once cultivated the rock in which the tombs are cut forms a solitary hill that commands the surrounding country 
from its summit i could see an extensive plain of sand extending north and south of the town nine or ten miles along the banks of the nile and a mile and a half in breadth from the river to the foot of the mountain when the whole of this land was cultivated it must have produced provisions sufficient for a town of considerable importance three miles to the north of Alethias, the rocks reach close to the nile there is a village named el kab which includes the whole of the above-mentioned land with the ruins of Alethias. on our arrival at luxor we took up our former abode in the seacoast of the temple and found ourselves at home again for thebes was now become quite familiar to me we received letters from mr salt by which we learned that he was purposing to ascend the nile the two captains irby and mangles set off for cairo mr beechey began to take drawings of the different places and i recommenced my researches at gournou i found two more agents of mr duetti busied in digging the ground in all directions and who had been tolerably successful in their researches for mummies these agents were of a different caste from the two comps who had been there before both of them were piedmontese one a renegade who had deserted from the french army when in egypt and entered the service of the bashaw the other had left piedmont after the fall of the late government i did not like to begin my work in either place near these people and therefore gave up the idea of prosecuting my researches in gournou it was fortunate for me i did so and from that time i made the valley of biban el malouk the scene of my researches which is completely separated from gournou by the chain of mountains that divides thebes from the valley i went to this plain quite alone and spent the whole day in making observations the result of which confirmed me in the opinion that there was a sufficient prospect to encourage me to commence my work End of part thirteen.